Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hey, coffeeis.me podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, I hope, <laughs> coffees.me. I'm your host, Valerian Hrala. Happy New Year! I know it's a bit late, it's uh, almost end of January, but you know, it's better now than never, I assume. New Year, new experiment. Today I'm going to try something different. In December, we had the Roasting Lab Pro Business Course, where future coffee entrepreneurs learn efficient ways of roasting, developing product, we talk about packaging, branding, sales channels, of course. The students have also opportunity to meet like-minded people from all over the world. I do this course every three months. It's limited to six students. And the next one is, I think, in March 2022. As a trainer, I feel really lucky. I have the opportunity to talk about my favorite subjects, coffee roasting and business. And of course, I meet business-hungry people with incredible ideas. And boy, I learn a lot from them. Meeting these students reassures me that the future of a coffee business is exciting. As a part of this course, we always invite guests who run coffee roasting businesses or cafes, and they are willing to share their secrets and maybe some tips with our students. In the last course, we had Joey and Sandra from Pink Owl Coffee. As an experiment, I've decided to record this podcast and wow, students ask really useful questions. Sandra and Joy's energy was intoxicating. All I had to do is sit back and record it. As I mentioned before, I'm a lucky, lucky guy. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. And I hope some of this energy will rub on you too. Because as you will hear, we really had awesome time. Enjoy. Uh, Joy and Sandra, welcome. Thank to, you. To, of course. Uh, you guys started Pink Owl Cafe in awesome times. Hmm. So we definitely want to talk about it. And also we have here students of Coffee Roasting Lab Pro, which is going to be awesome because I hope you guys have great questions from them. This is a time when you can exploit, really, the knowledge because we trap them here and they have the knowledge. They know the know-how, so let's just uh, use it up. So uh, before we go to the questions, obviously we want to know your story, why yes. you decided to start a cafe and not a butchery, for example. Yes. Uh, what's the connection to the coffee? And basically, what's your story? Okay. You want to start with the cancer part of it first? Uh, yeah, sure. We can. So I'll jump in real quick. So I was in the corporate world. I was consultant for like 25 years uh, with a different business and... Can you hear me? Oh, and um, I wanted to do something more fun. I've always wanted to be in the coffee world. Uh, and then Sandra had her own career as well. And then she got breast cancer. And then that was like the perfect time in for us to kind of follow our dreams. So I'll let her explain why it's named Pink Owl and how that happened. The perfect time. In, and then I'll jump back in. Yes. Um, as Joe said, we both had our own careers before we decided to open up a coffee shop. I'm a holistic practitioner and massage therapist by trade. 
Um, I also have a pretty extensive history in the wine world, so that's where I kind of get my tasting palette from for the coffee world. Um, and that's where I come into some of that part of it. Um, about almost four years ago now, three and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and due to that, I had to retire from what I was doing as a career. Um, and during that time, I had an extensive amount of time off for recovery, just between treatments and surgeries and everything else. So we spent some time traveling across California. Um, we also spent some time traveling back East Coast, where we're from. He's from New York area. I'm from Florida. Um, so we spent a lot of time traveling back home East Coast as well and um, into New York and stuff like that. And as we were exploring a lot of the New York area, and we started talking to some friends of ours who own a coffee shop back in Florida, <clears throat> we started to realize that a huge passion that we could both be a part of and we could both have a career that we could both actually contribute to um, that as you know, we decided we had spent so much time together over my recovery that owning a business is really not that much different than having a relationship together. So at that point, we started to focus on putting ourselves in the coffee world even more than you know what we had researched on our own. Um, once we came back from visiting some family in New York and spending some time kind of like in the Manhattan area and the Dumbo area, which is Boston, um, not Boston. or not Boston, um, Brooklyn, thank you, Brooklyn, <laughs> uh, in the Brooklyn area. I was way off. Uh, but after we just started to see the coffee shops and the things that the East Coast was offering as a retreat for people to go to study, to work, to mingle, to be with people, to have a safe place to go, to meet with a stranger or a friend or whatever it is, um, we just started to really realize a coffee shop was what we really wanted to pour our hearts and souls into. It's true. I mean, think about coffee is a ritual. It's a daily ritual that people go to every day. Sometimes There's multiple not times. There's another business out there besides alcohol that people will probably go to every day. You yeah. know, it, it, those are the two, you know. Yeah. So um, it's one of those things that it's fun, but also it's um, it's a lot easier like, than a restaurant per se or whatnot. Um so to interrupt, Sandra, just a little mm -hmm. bit closer to your mouth. Think oh, of sorry. you as a as a rock star. Rock star, exactly. Uh, okay. <laughs> so that's why that that's why we chose the coffee world, you know. And um, coffee is uh, it's something that you almost like. It's like a vortex you go into. It's like another realm. It's another world. Like it's just it's a magical vibe. Even like back in the day before there was even like Starbucks Joffrey's or like Dunkin' Donuts, and you just go in this coffee shop or this little diner. cafe or a diner somewhere and like it was just magic you just wanted to stay there you wanted to be there and now with technology you could work there and you could do things so yeah. it's a it's a fun world to be in so and that's it's a great world to be in that we are able to donate back to what saved my life so um, we donate a portion of our proceeds go back to the grant that is set in place there's a grant for breast cancer research and and recovery and so that's what helped me get to uh being where i am now and being healthy and actually being able to sit here and talk to everybody today um and so we pay back into that grant um and you know a coffee shop is um something that's a little bit more beautiful to kind of have as a staple to give back into something than say like a 
like he said, like alcohol or something like that. So we wanted a community-based something that was able to be utilized by all parts of the community from families and children to adults and older people. And I think a coffee shop definitely utilizes all of that. Yeah. It's for everyone, it's for sure. Yeah, and some people like their lighter roast, some people like their darker roast. You know, you can definitely, you know, cater to everyone, which is really nice. And whether they're Starbucks people and they want their Frappuccinos or, you know, we don't do any that were more classic Italian, but like, you know, you can, we can, we could build something for them close. I don't um, have a blender in my coffee shops and no. I will never, ever have one, but I will be more than happy to make something that someone is very happy and, yeah. you know, appreciative of no but matter what it is. Younger or older, or older. you know, yeah. it doesn't matter, but coffee's a, you, if you, if you get in black coffee or espresso, you can get that anywhere in the world. You yeah. know what I mean? So this is true. that's, yeah. So that's the story of, of us. Pink Owl. <laughs> um, the reason, so how we came up with Pink Owl is uh, we sat there we, over a bottle of wine and we were thinking of names and we wanted a name that no one else had. So we researched all these names. Pink was great for the breast cancer. Owls are nocturnal. We love them. And there was not another Pink Owl coffee in the world. Our theme, our logo is more like my hat's black and pink like this. Um, we have different variations, but it kind of pops our packaging, our marketing. People walk in our cafe all the time and ask us, like, how many cafes do you have? Uh, it's really cool. It looks almost corporate in a sense. Uh, it looks very structured. Uh, and we have two cafes. And we're about to open up a third one, too. Um, but that's, uh, so that's how the name came about. Um, now, as far as, uh, you know, we opened up February 6, 2020. It was a month before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, so it was horrible. Yeah. But we pivoted, we made things happen. We did what we needed to do to, you know, stay in business. We, we, we did DoorDash, Uber, Grubhub, Caviar, like anything, any platform, a lot more work, but anything we could do to just, you know, get our name out there, get the coffee out there. We did a lot of promotions, a lot of donations, a lot of, you know, different things like that. We even delivered coffee ourselves. We physically I'm, delivered Yep, coffee. everyone knew who yep. my black little forerunner was. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, here comes the black, the, the black forerunner with Pink Owl, and I'd pull up with your coffee and your beans and everything you needed, and off I went on my own merry way, so. Yeah. And in the beginning, we didn't roast. Valerian did most of the roasting for us. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have time. You know, it's kind of one of those things that stay in your lane. You know, uh, someone who, who owns a, a, who buys a, 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 a wine or vineyard in Napa, they don't know everything from cultivation to farming to, you know, to barrels to, they hire people to know those things. You know what I mean? You'll have a little knowledge of all of it, but pay someone well, take care of them and hire someone smarter than you that knows more about that than you do maybe you have the time and you can learn it one day and mm -hmm. you know but that's what you do so you said i was such an awesome roaster that you yes. picked me thank you so much yes. i'm kidding yes. but the point is like okay so why did you decide uh to start your own roasting okay so um actually first we were doing some coffee tours we are going around all the way through california uh we started in the city went all the way down to la and a little north of here as well and we picked all, all the local coffee shops that we liked. We tasted all their coffee. We did our own like kind of coppins um, there. Uh, we would get some ground coffee from them and do some coppins. And um, we decided we actually drove by here and we saw you and William here and we and Marcus and we came in here and we talked to you guys and it was kind of like affirmation. And then we found a place that was available, so we decided to sign the lease and start the construction. 
oh my God, I thought it was going to be like 10 grand to open up this place. And it was 10 times that amount, you know what I mean? So, uh, but luckily my brother helped us out, build out the place. We got everything done. We got passed with environmental health. We got everything done. We, we worked a lot of hours, um, but we finally opened the doors and was that your question? Why do we? No, no my why? question was like, because I'm such an awesome roster, you yes. said. Oh, yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I jumped forward. Why did that. you decide to betray? No, I'm kidding. No. So <laughs> basically, business perspective-wise, why did you decide that you pivot and you start to roast your own rather than just buying it from somebody else? I guess because I wanted to um, expand my business. A lot of the coffees we were doing in the beginning were just Brazil coffees. And a lot of cafes have anything Thing from Kona to Ethiopia to Java to you know a lot of South American coffees and I and I we had a relationship with a green bean buyer locally but I wanted more relationships so I knew that if I was in a community setting that not only could I learn it but I can teach someone else it so part of it was cost to bring it down, but another big part of it too was to build my portfolio of coffee and coffee knowledge. And uh, to learn all the ins and outs of everything. Yeah. I mean, literally from green bean buying, where your beans come from, who they're sourced from, to uh, you know how it's roasted. And um, just different processes, yeah. whether it's a natural, whether it's a honey process, whether it's a wash process, you know, as far as decaf, whether it's just water, whether, whether it's chemical, like there's different things out there that we wanted to try. So now with our knowledge, and we're not the most knowledgeable, but you know, we do very well, uh, we, anything that you see in our cafe that have permanent stickers, they're kind of our customer approved. So we have like a, a pink sticker and it's a custom pink owl blend. We have a blue sticker for a bunch of coffees. We have 18, no, 20 different origins. Well, 20 different coffees yeah, now, yeah. about 11 different origins. But um, some of them we won't do again. Some yeah, some of them, them we won't do yeah. again. And then it just depends on, you know, these, these green bean buy. I mean, we used to get some Brazil green coffee for $2 a pound, another $4, another double the price, you know, and other coffees out there are, are triple or quadruple. You can't even get them, you know, they're mm -hmm. stuck on containers and whatnot, wherever so. in the, in the abyss of COVID. Yeah. Um, so you have to kind of figure out what works for your business and what doesn't work for your business. So, and the really beautiful yeah. thing is one of our, uh, our sons are, he's, um, our roaster and he loves it. So, um, you know, we try to make it as much of a family oriented business as we can. Um, one of our boys helps us with more managerial stuff and the other one does. He's the master roasting. roaster, but yeah. there's, we have other people to help him as of well. Course, yeah. Um, and then, uh, we've actually went to Coro, which is a co-op roaster. It's kind of like this, but like a lot bigger and bigger. They have everything from Mill Cities to, to um, Pearl Bats Loring. to Loring, couple of Lorings, uh, to um, uh, San Francisco's and they have profile roasters. They have sample roasters. They have a cupping room upstairs. They have a um, Lorimer's Oracle machine, uh, like an old linea, so you can do little presentations there. And uh, and then they have all the bins and the, you know, and the tumblers and the package and seal. And I mean, they have everything. So you pay a monthly membership for this place, which is great. And you can just share that space with other roasters and other. There's a lot of people on that side that don't own cafes. They just do wholesale or sell like on Amazon. And a lot of them are farm owners or their family lives in that country and operates that farm. And then they're kind of like the importer exporter part of it. So we've actually picked up a couple of relationships there as well. 
Um, and then just the turnover in and out, people that have worked at it, have worked at Blue Bottle or worked at Linney or worked at Cyclass or some of our favorite places, we get to you know pick their brains and whatnot as well. So it's really been a good community thing to help us build our brand as well, you know, so. Absolutely. And now we're in grocery stores, we're in a bunch of restaurants, uh, and we're actually about to get into Whole Foods, which is one of the big accounts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So thank you for the intro. And... These guys here are awesome. Yes. They have so many questions. Yes. I cannot even I'm have down. lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, it's it's really awesome. It's a good group. They are very in, you know smart about business. So uh, go for it. Uh, here's Mike. So come and I think say say your name and hi. You know, and um, I'm Aaron Taggart. Hi. I'm a master roaster and owner of Two Trees Roastery. Nice. So I had a couple of questions about like you guys starting up because yeah. obviously you guys had to get bags, right? Yes. My question is, is what did you guys do to try to find like the best prices and what websites or retailers did you find that helped you with all the like smaller things like bags, stickers, stamps, stuff like that? Yeah. So that was a, that was a challenging one because most companies out there, they want you to, I remember we were like Equator, we were looking at some of their, I think they use like world centric or like, uh, so, I, someone else, and you have to order like 60,000 of each of these. You have like, depending on your cafe, four ounce, eight ounce, 12 ounce, 16 ounce, 20 ounce hot, and then you're cold. So like you need a million cups. So one of the places that we used in the beginning was your brand cafe for cups. Uh, it's, it's, it's small batch, um, turnaround times, pretty decent. Um, for bags, we use Pacific, which is try, I can get you their information, but. Uh, I mean, I'm using Tricon. Tricon? Yeah. Roasting Magazine is another good source because they have a lot of vendors on the back of Barista Magazine, and those are some places that you can try. Rockstars for Bags is another good one. Yeah, I think you were thinking of was uh, Roastar. Roastar, yeah. Roastar. Yeah, which yeah. Expensive. They're expensive as heck. But. Yeah. 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 I feel like a lot of cafes outsource their things internationally. They'll go to China or somewhere and get Taiwan, Vietnamese and get their bags in bulk because you can get bags, cups, whatever, and get in a shipping container over here with a bunch of other people and get it for pennies. But see, my issue with that is, and this is why I'm lucky that I'm right next to Tricon, is um, time. Yeah. You know, because oh, yeah. as a startup, like yeah. I'm brand new and I'm not, I don't really have a lot of money or finances to use. I'm kind of like going on fumes. So I have to look for the most budgeted. Yep. Time kind of like kills. So it's like Alibaba, right? Ali, Alibaba. Alibaba. Alibaba is what is like one of those like outsourced areas yep. that you can get those. But it's just like the shipping time is going to like, mm-hmm. I can't wait a month. Mm-hmm. I can't. We've changed our branding and packaging three or four times. Yeah. And like we started with just a, just like a like a Vistaprint hand stamper and we can whoa, we can you know stamp sleeves and we can stamp bags and we get stickers and then we finally got to the point where we got them professionally made in bulk and we were saving money on that. But in the beginning we just kind of tried different things to just do limited supplies because we didn't need a hundred thousand bags or a hundred thousand cups. We needed like a thousand. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? So did you start off with like paper bags or did you go more for like the nicer polyester? I don't think it's no. We did the matte black. 
Yeah, we did the well, the other yeah, color, well, but yeah, 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 we did the nicer ones. Yeah, because I got yeah. a stamp, and I yeah. found that the stamp does not work on those bags. It doesn't work on the bags. We can just get white stickers and then stamp the sticker. That's another issue I'm having. I don't know where to go for stickers. So if you have any recommendations, so, so sticker mules one place. Um, another place that we order stickers from is uh, Make Stickers M A K E Stickers, mm-hmm. um, and then. Uh, I'll have to get you the name. I'll show you an email in a minute right. with the other company. Thank you. I'll have to so find part that. of the course is going to be packaging. I'm super excited about that because I love good packaging. I was the, involved in Alnish Coffee and also in Green Plantation. But recently, uh, we had a customer here coming in and uh, bought, uh, brought a chromatic coffee. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how can these guys you know, afford always a different design? And it's not a sticker. It just... And they said, oh, have you ever heard of hot stamping? I was like, no. Mm. I mean, I'm involved in the coffee industry for a long time. Then I Googled it. It's a pretty awesome concept where you can have a form and you can put a foil on it and you can st- stamp these uh, plastic bags, I call them, you know, the, what you call the fancy bags, right. with the hot stamping. And it okay. looks like professional print. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's actually really, that's really good to know. I'll have to check into yeah. that. Um, another question, and I, I don't think I have any more after this, is um, so when you started off, right, what I'm going to be doing is more e-commerce, mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. stay away from overhead. Mm-hmm. And, but I imagine that you guys had to go to events, too, to really help get your name out there, especially during COVID. It was probably hard, but mm-hmm. I know that markets started opening up again, like midway through. How did you guys, like, find these events? Because that's something that I'm struggling with. It's kind of like going out there and seeing where I can bring my coffee, like, startup little pop up somewhere, right? We live in such a great area here that there's so much coffee around here and people are constantly hitting us up locally um, that are master roasters, that own magazines, that own, you know, events. And so we get, so that's how kind of we started with with us. Um, but there's like, uh, like Eli, you know, uh, Greg works for him now. So, um, from ground control. Mm-hmm. So I get a lot of information from him or not from Eli, but from Greg, like, you know, this event or I'm in Portland or I'm here, or I'm there. So it's kind of one of those things. It's not what, you know, it's who, you know, uh, but I would still say like some of the publications, some of the magazines, you know, there's other websites, uh, going to like the San Francisco coffee festival and just talk, talk to every single person there. Every person we started, we talked to, we went there the first year before we opened and we talked to everyone and we only got like a couple things that we really needed from that. But like some of those connections we still use to this day, you know, so. So I, Ellie is a super interesting guy from Ground Control. Yeah. And you should guys check out the Ground Control coffee makers. They're awesome. Yeah. I had coffee from them. They're very good. I never had the ice lattes, but allegedly they are like incredible and you can make a very fast cold brew mm-hmm. with a plug for them. But the, Ellie is a person who, when he sees you have some passion, he connects you with somebody. I admire him because he's a CEO of a, like a, a startup, emerging, fastly emerging startup. And yet he spent time to connect me with some chocolate guy because he knows I'm going chocolate and he knows this very famous guy who was building the factory for mm-hmm. uh, Dandelion Chocolate, which is a San Francisco like oh, so, uh, mission. mission. So, and he connects me with that because he finds, and he does it for everyone. So I'm, I'm so happy that you said that because it's like, yeah. this guy is, wow. He's amazing. It's it's really those those sources that you know. So everybody who's listening to the podcast, please send emails. <laughs> what type of events are you trying to get into? Like farmers markets or yeah, that's I mean, another one. Well, yeah. farmers markets, uh, obviously. Um, 
because that's just like the best place to go for any coffee place. But actually, um, other events I was thinking about is trying to get involved with art events. Like, be, like there's these little events that pop up. I know there's some in San Jose where it's crafts, art, like um, tattooing, all these things. And there are like the only kind of food that they have there is what is like provided them by the place that they are, right? Mm -hmm. I was thinking like, well, coffee is essentially, it's, I mean, it's a threshold for artists. Mm -hmm. That's what it is, it's a sanctuary. And I found, I I found that specialty coffee companies aren't really pushing that anymore. It's more of, and there's no problem. I love coffee and pushing your coffee is the best thing, but you know, being involved with the community is important. I'm thinking about trying to get involved in like art shows, yeah. you know, seeing if I can do a pop-up at museums and stuff like that. See, here it's hard because, like, I don't know if you heard, but tomorrow they're starting the mask mandate again for December 14th to the to January 14th because the numbers are up or whatever. So because of that, that we have friends that um, own Kaleidoscope in Point Richmond, really cool little downtown area. We actually almost bought their cafe from them, and they do a lot of live events, a lot of live shows. They have a liquor license, so beer and wine. So they do a lot of like music and art and poetry readings and whatnot. But because of COVID, it's so hard right now, you know. And so everyone's canceling them. So we haven't focused too much on that right yet. We do have like a guy ever come that comes to the cafe every Saturday and he, he's with his guitar, a couple different people and sing mm. and that's great. And we have um, some gamers to go there and do some events right. there. But I would say if you're looking to focus on just doing events, especially if you're trying to get into farmer's markets, farmer's markets are a little bit harder. Those, those take a lot of legwork. Find an event you want to be in, contact the event coordinators, talk to them about what you're doing. And if you're trying, are you just trying to sell like your whole beans or if you're trying to sell coffee or serve coffee, just let them know and make sure you have your catering license information kind of all together because a lot of people will ask you for it. Some people won't, but you do have people, especially if they're holding a big event for like, um, there was one that was just for Toys for Tots. You know, and companies like that will just ask you about it and require it from you. Um, Once you have that all done, you can really do any event that you want. Um, Another good source of events, um, surprisingly, are wineries, um, especially whenever they do. Yeah, especially when they. Wine in the morning. Yeah, or even whenever they're doing events for like holiday parties or specialty parties for, because they'll close down their wineries for specific people. So do you guys go up to Napa? A lot and a lot. try a to lot. do startups and stuff. Are you thinking about opening up a store near the wine area, Sonoma and stuff like that? Um, we have we one know. in Petaluma. Yeah, we have oh. one in Petaluma yeah. right now. We have one next to Whole Foods uh, on East Washington. Great. We've talked um, about downtown Sonoma area. We have talked about downtown Sonoma area. Yeah. Um, right now we're focusing on this area because right. we might be getting a roaster i'm going to talk to you about later on some questions <laughs> I have for you. once you yeah. reach a certain point in your business using coro is amazing but at a tipping point it becomes oh, a little too yeah, much and at does. that point yeah. you need to have your own space yeah I, i'm going to be using a co-op up in portland yeah. i just can't afford i don't yeah. have space for a yeah. roaster i yeah. have actually a the small one right over there, it's sandbox, is really nice. It's brand new. Yeah. Started right when COVID happened. So it's not, it, ha- it hasn't gotten big. You know, it's okay. But you just got to put in the legwork and keep it going. Yeah. I, That's the most important thing. Just keep it going. Right, right. Um, another question I had, uh, more about marketing actually, is that you said that you guys kind of like, I mean, I can, uh, I can. No, go for it, but let's be yeah, place. Sorry. And we can come back again. No worries. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just really excited to talk to people yeah. about their coffee shops. Um, yeah. 
I was thinking about doing more social media type of, and that, I mean, like we're talking like going to YouTubers, TikTokers and getting them to promote for you. Yes. So, so I want to know this. Like, how do you approach them? And how, because I tried, just and ask. They, oh, I did ask, and they're like, "Nah, give me money." I was like, "But I give you coffee." Yeah. <laughs> so people comment. Like, as a matter of fact, we just had Aubrey Plaza come in our cafe. No way. Yeah. yeah. We have, I have a picture with her, but um, <laughs> why really didn't cool. you invite me? <laughs> wow, this is ridiculous. Yeah. She did. Yeah. She yeah. Did. We do a lot of. Yeah. We'll we let her a lot know. of um. Uh, she was like Parks and Recreation. Oh, oh. okay. She's yeah. been a bunch of stuff, Dirty Grandpa. Bunch, yeah, bunch of movies. Bunch of stuff, but um, no, she kind of has really like that sweet. demeanor to her, or whatever. She's you can just sweet. see about her eyes, she had her mask, and you can just kind of tell. But she's probably doing a show here. But we do like a lot of like spark events or not events, uh, catering for commercials and whatnot, for Salesforce, for TED show, whatnot. Mm-hmm. So we try to get into those, but social media. Instagram by far, uh, TikTok's great, YouTube's great. You just gotta get all those followers. That's the you problem. You just gotta add people to get, get people. people you can you. send. Prom- we've sent promotional like merchandise, like hats and stuff to people, and we'll, like we with the hopes of them wearing them. And a couple people here, here and there. But I would start with like Instagram or easier platform. That's kind of, but it's like a daily grind. You constantly have to. And the best thing is, is if you can get someone that's really good with like putting like the little artwork and the, you know, tagging the right amount of people in the hashtags and everything, that's the key. You know what so I mean? So going back to Aubrey Plaza, did you manage somehow to use her for your promotion or Not was it just Aubrey like... Plaza, okay. but she did share her story with us, you know, with all of her followers or whatever, which was pretty big, you know what I mean? And we get other people that have came in, influencers of Instagram or whatever that have... Uh, as a matter of fact, there's one girl, Olivia, she's like a top model and she comes in and she's always promoting us. Allison too is another one. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's quite a few of them. And, and I ask them, you know, oh, share this on, you know, your, your wall or whatever. And, and then once they start sharing, you get more people who follow you. It's just, it's kind of like a, it's like, like, yeah, yeah like you said, you got to be on top of it all the time. You have to constantly be adding people. You have to constantly be responding to people. You have to constantly. And our priestess do it too. She's do, big on yeah. TikTok, so she's always, every She day, has her she own latte art page for Pink Owl yep. Coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah. Her and the baristas will c- compete against each other on latte art, and they'll post it up on Instagram and stuff. Yeah. Huge. Huge. It's free advertising. It's huge. It's, huge. it's the number one thing that goes to where we are. Yep. Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, Instagram. Instagram or social media. So Sandra does like Petaluma Foodies. There's a lot of like local with Facebook. Yeah. And there's like Marin Foodies, there's Petaluma Foodies. And they'll like the ministry will allow you to post like one thing a week or a day or something like something that. Like that yeah. And that brings in a lot of business. And, you know, we just try to, you know, capture people that haven't been. Another big marketing, we use Square. So Square does marketing, and we have a loyalty program. So every $4 you spend, you get a point. Every 10 points, you have $4 off. So one big promotion we're running right now is like if you buy a $100 gift card, you get $25 free. So I always tell people it's like a gift for you and then a gift for them. But statistically, only 40% of people redeem those gift cards. So it's a win-win for the business, you know what I mean? But it's also, we don't put expiration day on it. So, you know, we're not trying to deceive anyone, but, you know, that's a big thing. We also try to get people back with, a lot of these companies will have good marketing for you. So whether it's print, radio, TV, you know, whatever it is. 
So for your social media, do you guys, have you always run it yourself or do you hire somebody or how does that work for you guys? Now we do it ourselves, um, but we're in the process that we might be hiring someone in the future. As a matter of fact, there's a few like, there's one like Erica, she's a yoga instructor and she has like a couple hundred thousand followers or whatever and she stays at home. So try to find those people and be like, hey, they like doing that and they would love to do it as a business and maybe just barter with them. I'll give you free coffee. I'll ship you a coffee. Oh, coffee club too. That's another big That's thing. That's a huge one, yeah. Huge one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now, quick question. We've talked oh, about... Oh, wait. We changed the uh, students. You are Sebastian. Oh, sorry. Sebastian. Hi, Sebastian. <laughs> so <laughs> actually, um, um, for Capital Coffee, I'm in Tempe, Arizona. So nice. family, my family has a coffee farm in Colombia and nice. I bring my coffee from there directly. I'm learning how to roast with Mr. Nice. Valerian here. Nice. Um, but yeah, I, I've been facing a lot of challenges as well. Coffee shop. I'm now trying to do the roasting. Curious, what was your experience? Because I've heard, well, starting from scratch, then creating branding, uh, packaging. I would love to know, did you notice a change in customer behavior once you started to create packaging, branded cups? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone says, oh, you should have a drive-thru. Drive-thrus are cool, but it's not that third wave coffee place. A drive-thru's like here, Java Hut, Java Detour, um, it's grab and go. It's just drive through people don't. So here's for us. We want to get our coffee in as many cafe. I mean, as many restaurants as possible, uh, and do a lot of wholesale back end stuff. But the problem is, is if you have one cafe, no one cares about you. When you have two, three, four, five, everyone wants your coffee. So you to so to build that brand. I, I, I feel like the packaging is huge. You know what I mean? Everything's uniform. The packaging for the coffee bags, for the coffee cups, for the shirts, for the hats, for the everything. And people come in and they, they're like, wow, how many locations do you have? They think that we're like this big corporation or, you know, whatnot. So I think that that's very important. From day one, that's something I've always wanted. And our regulars. And I mean, we have a cult following at this point in life, which is amazing to say. I love that. <laughs> um, but our customers will instantly notice whenever we have new merchandise or if we've changed something. We have um, a girl who works locally with us who does tie-dye shirts for us. Yeah. Literally, we can't keep them on the shelves because our customers are like, that's cool, that's new, that's interesting, I want it. Um, and we just introduced, um, as weird, but tumblers, you know, like a grab, you know, our own personal tumblers with our logo on them. We've almost sold out of an entire case of them. Yeah. And it's just because our customers have seen our logo, they love our logo, they love to promote us, they love to show us off. And the only way that that's really happened is by us, one, having a brand before we opened. We already had our logo. We already knew what we wanted to promote. We we already knew what we wanted things to look like. But we've had to grow into some of our things. Like we've had to grow into our bags. We had to start with a stamp because as monetarily wise, that's what we were able to do. Now we've grown into having bags that have their own stickers, their own logos, their, you know, absolutely gorgeous bags to have on a grocery store shelf, you know, but it's something that we had to grow into. You grew and we grew into it. We did, but our, our customers immediately notice changes. You know, if we change our cups or if we change... A, well, we do holiday cups now, yeah, for instance. And, and so they're everyone, all different. They're all different. One's everyone like a mistletoe thing, one's like a red like snowflake, so we'll do different things for yeah. different... Uh, now, like, it's, it's very interesting because, like, uh, one of the things I always think about, like you have, say, your sales, even if it's a roastery or coffee shop, let's say you say $100,000 just to make it simple, 
how do you guys determine how much to spend like in marketing? Because that's always a question that goes to my head. Like if I spend too much, I don't make money yeah. because now I'm losing money. Yeah. I, I don't know if you guys can share like top of your head, how you plan about Sebastian, that. specify what do you mean by marketing? Actually, it's a great question. So when I think about marketing, I'm thinking about like all the branding assets, for example. Yes. Let's say you're doing cups, you're doing yes. bags because let's say you, you have great coffee, you put yeah. in a craft bag, yeah. say you sell it for 15, now you got a nice bag. That bag mm-hmm. costs you probably four times what it costs yep. you, the craft bag. So it's like, how do you decide when so to decide? So one thing we do to this day is if we use like DoorDash, Uber, Grubhub, or one of the platforms, we just use white cups. They go out. Um, if someone walks in the cafe and we want the hopes that they're walking around town with our cup and they're posting stories and whatnot on their wall, we'll use more. So we kind of pick and choose. Uh, to answer your question, though, like how much do we like know what to spend? It's a kind of all trial and error. Every business is different, but I would I would say to go month by month and kind of see. But I think I feel like the important ones are like your your coffee cups. Um, if 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 you have a cafe, if you're just back in wholesale, it doesn't really matter as much. Uh, your coffee bags, and then we also you know five pound bags for wholesale to slap a sticker on there because when a restaurant gets that, they might display it up front. You know what I mean? And we could actually display it up front in our cafe. Another big thing that if you do have a cafe or you think about physically opening up a cafe is all the little like Hario, you know, V2 um, and the, uh, you know, the grinders and the, all the little retail merchandise. You really don't sell a lot of it, but the more you can have, the better. Because when people see all this stuff, they're like, oh, look, this little hand roaster. Oh, look, this little pour over. Oh, look, this little like gooseneck. Oh, look, this little, and all your merchandise. And they say, and like no one else has that. And they're like, the big cafes have it. So the little things make a difference. Another thing is an app. Like we have an app. And we didn't build the app. It's just there's companies that service them. And you can pay $100 a month or whatever it is, depending on what you have per store. And you have four stores and you pay $400 a month and you have an app and people are like, oh, this is like peas, this is like Starbucks, this is like Phil's, this is like, you know, you're, you, it makes yourself bigger for not that much money. So there's little things like that that you can do to make yourself, because I always like, when I look at us, I'm like, if I want to be acquired in the future, if I want someone to like, a, like do an acquisition with us, I want to have everything that the big people have. I want to have an app. I want to have retail merchandise. I want to have my own roaster. I want to have packaging and receiving. I want to have a, a big coffee club. I want to have a lot of restaurants. I was one people walks in, they're like, holy shit. Like, this is like. Is that your end goal? Well, I think it's everyone's end goal. I mean, you don't want to be 80 years old and, you know, roasting coffee and selling at your cafe. I mean, sure. Or give it to the kids and let them do it. You know, but the thing is, is are they going to do it? Like, the, the, are they going to have the passion that we have? A lot of times when you give away something like that, it's sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. 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 When you're done. Yeah. Oh, so one question, last question, so I can get the team questions. So, uh, if you could do it all over again, from because I know as business owner, I've known like I've done things, and I'm like, I wish I could know these yes. things. Like when I started, it would like yes. probably grow so much faster. Like what was that thing that you like? A moment it clicked, and you're like, oh wow, if I could do it again, or I wish I had known this earlier, I would go grow so much faster. What, what would that be? Don't jump into things. Do your research. You know what I mean? Because like impulse anything isn't necessarily good. Like if you need something and you're freaking out because your customers need it, whether it's coffee or packaging or anything, just everything will work out. Just do your research and just don't jump into things. Because even to this day, we probably throw away thousands of dollars because 
we don't have the time to, but back then we did, we had the time, you know what I mean? Um, that's my big thing. I would say just do your research, take your time and do it right. And know that whenever you go into a space, if you're looking at a space that you're going to be taking over, one of two things, if you're doing a ground floor yeah, build out, yeah. if you're going to be taking over someone else's business, whatever it is, make sure that you've negotiated that into your landlord oh, or time, with your yeah. landlord, because otherwise you're paying rent and you're paying on something that you're not even able to utilize as far as a space. And, you know, sometimes it's a few weeks, you know, other times it's a few months or more. But always take into consideration that whatever work you have to put into it, make sure that you negotiate that with your landlord costs and price. Um, and then as far as the marketing things, sometimes what I can say about the marketing part of it, T-shirts, hats, things like that. So people can see who you are. You're. Th this is a walking advertisement. It this is, is basically yeah. a billboard Cheap. that walks around and shows everyone who I am. And it gets people to say, hey, who are you? What's Pink Owl Coffee? Where'd you get that shirt? I yeah. really like that. That's a cool logo. What's the story behind it? The more questions people ask, the more you're going to have people come in and see you. So even though you may have to spend a little bit of cost on doing something like hats or shirts, realize that it's advertisement and it's free advertisement once you've paid the $6 for a shirt that it costs you to make it, print it, and send it out on its way. You can resell them, sure, but I think I've probably given away almost as much as I've resold. Just yeah. because at this point, I know someone in, uh, what was it, New Zealand is wearing my gear yeah. and they're posting me on Instagram and they're like, from one side of the world to the other, here we are. We love you, Pink Owl Coffee. And we take ideas from other cafes. We literally drove around like, ch -ch 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 -ch. Yeah. and then like one thing, like Equator Coffee, great local coffee shop here. Amazing Two women people. started it in Puerto Madeira here. And they, they, they you know, I think they did it for like 20 years, you know, in the, you know, on the roast and the wholesale side before they even opened up their first cafe. But one of the, of the many things that, and they're one of our big inspirations, but one of the big things that I like that they did is they gave away free stickers. So we ordered like 20,000 stickers for like $300 or whatever. And just, started and now they're die cut they're better but like in, in the beginning they were just free stickers you know so you know then that's people are putting them around town and you know your name gets out there more so that's another hatches good are pretty cool, they are oh we yes have we have hatches too. yeah hatches are with iron on patches. hatches yeah. so yeah they're so we have these these is iron on patches that yeah, we resell we too right so. There, so um and just remember also too just like joe said you know um Equator is great inspiration. So always remember there's competition is competition, but we're not all in competition competition. This is we're a community. Friends, a community. We're, we're friends with everyone. We ask on. people questions. We like to be open. And yeah. just remember inspiration comes from the people who have already been here, done it, and walked through it. So, you know, being able to have that community definitely is a huge asset for we sure. Support other local coffee shops. I mean, yeah. if you own a pizza place, you're not eating your pizza for the rest of your life, you're gonna go have other people's pizza or tacos or you know whatever, whatever it, it is. is you know so definitely support them but with Sandra well last thing what she was talking about is our first cafe when we built it out it was like a hair salon it cost like a quarter of a million dollars our second cafe was already a cafe that went out they sold out so it was already done the plumbing was done the electrical was done it was like 80 grand or something it was, it was like nothing. a quarter of the price and then the first one took almost a year the second one took like three on so we had to pay rent for this one for like 
nine months or whatever before we opened up our door. So people run out of money because they have a budget. So yes. whatever your budget is, multiply times three. That's why I saw people. Yeah. And, you know, because right time. down the way from us, there's like, like a chicken tender guy. And he, well, before him, someone wanted to put a restaurant in there and they had 90% of the equipment in there. But then there was like a couple of hiccups that may have cost them ten or twenty thousand dollars. They didn't have the money; they couldn't get it, and they just walked away. You know what I mean? So just always know that you should negotiate with the landlord yes. and just try to, if you can find something existing. And breathing is an amazing you know, thing because after your second or third cafe, then you'll have the money to do something more custom. You know that could be your honey pot. And remember, you're abiding by the time of your local environmental health city and everything else. So just remember that whatever time you think it's going to take, if you think it's going to take two weeks, expect it to take three months. Yeah. Just because they tell you, okay, thank you for submitting, and in about a month we'll get back to you. Yeah. So just take that into consideration, too, that you are going to get frustrated. It's going to happen. You're going to wonder why they're taking their time and why it takes so long. But the end result is the best part of it all. So, you know, answer. go ahead. <laughs> Hi, I'm Michael, and hey, um, Mike. I'm just beginning in this whole thing, and um, you know, I've thought about should I just roast beans and sell online, should I roast beans and try to sell to a restaurant sure. or something like that, maybe events, yep. or, and or should I have a coffee shop, and so it sounds like that a lot of your success came from having a sh coffee shop, Yes, and that's how you started, and you got a lot yes. of exposure and personal exposure yes. and people on Instagram and all this from that. So it seems like that's been a very good thing for, for us. you. Yeah. But other people started opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Only back end, and then they built their way to us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So do you have any recommendations of for or against either, you know, route? I mean, you went the yeah. you had the coffee shop and the the beans, your own beans. Yeah. For yeah. Um, I guess it just kinda of depends on where your passion lies, mm -hmm. is why I would say what you're because, considering for overhead. Mm -hmm. Like if you're considering because having a coffee shop is great and as much as joe and i do work in our coffee shops there'd be no way he and i could just do it by ourselves yeah. not with everything else that we're doing and we have everything else going on and you can start at so many different levels yeah. i mean the cool thing with the coffee shop is you can like we have our coffee with some breweries we have our coffee with some ice cream places you, you know we've been asked to put our like carts or um like uh, uh like campers built out into office parks and things like that so you know you can start like there's a really cute place called Cent central uh perks or coffee or something it's brand new it just opened up and saying someone they took an old like camper and they made like a little coffee cart that's exactly my idea, idea of the cheapest coffee yeah. shop is a camper yes. in somebody's parking lot some yeah. of the cutest like whatever ones yeah. are the best i mean look one of the best ones is in san francisco in, in sunset there's a lady named um lady Lady Falcon. And she has this 1930s double decker bus that she built out into a car. It's amazing. Gorgeous. Most and beautiful she does a lot of coffee seen. clubs. She has her little truck, you know, have a couple employees or uh, bus, couple employees, but she does all of the major coffee and she sells coffee all throughout the world. And I know a lot of people are against Amazon, but Amazon can make you a lot of money because Amazon, you literally ship them everything. You do nothing, and then they do everything, and then they give you a check back. Do you sell on Amazon? We don't yet, but we're... They want your firstborn child for you to be able to... They want everything. Let's talk about the profits on Amazon once you done it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, first off, they want, like, the grocery stores, they want, like, a triple net loser, you know, but... 
you know, yeah, there's there's really no money, but it's more for brand recognition, you know what I mean? Because then it's just another tool to tell people like, oh, look, our coffee's in this restaurant, our coffee's on Amazon, our coffee's in this major grocery store. It's, it's you know, And you you only sell certain ones, uh, so there's only certain origins that we sell in grocery stores, and those certain origins, obviously, people love their classics and favorites for everyone, but that brings for those example. people... Um, an example, uh, our Costa Rica is there. Our Ethiopia is on shelves. Mocha Java is on shelves. Decaf, um, our espresso, which is yep. a single origin Brazil. Um, we have six in the grocery store. Yeah. That's a good start for us. It is we a good do start. More, but that's but a good... then those people who go to the grocery stores and they buy our coffee, they want to know who we are, where we come from. Yeah. And then they come into our store and they see that we have 20 other origins to offer. Yeah. And next thing you know, they're coming back to try a new bag of coffee every week or every other week. And they're coming in consistently and buying coffee more in-house. Well, we're in Geekville, which is a great place to be, Coffee Geekville, right? Yeah. yeah. In this area. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good thing. So that was my next question, really. Um, and my primary question was, I heard you had uh, 18 or 21 different uh, beans in your yep. store. And I'm yeah. like, Whoa, like well, we I'm trying to figure with, out whether I should start with three, we did. two, That's or four, what we did. you know? Yeah. And, and how do you, yeah, what, give us some advice. So some we advice started there. with a lot of Brazil, uh, from, from William, who's a farmer locally. His parents own a farm in Brazil. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a single origin, single plantation, zero water waste farm. Uh, really nice, I'm sure, like your family's farm. Um, and he did, does all like the import export here. He lives here. Uh, he goes back and works on the farm. Valerian knows him, very good friends with him. Uh, and we, 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 you know, we were buying his beans, but we didn't want to just be only Brazil farmer, you know, or, you know, coffee shop. So we started, um, contacting some of the, you know, Coro was a great, cause they introduced me to Sacafina and Ally and Royal and all these other people. And then you get all these local farmers as well, like your parents own a, you know, so we, we, we talked to a lot of these people as well and we'll try different copies, but I feel like with us, um, more choices is better because so many people come in, they're like, oh, you know, you have like three Brazils, you have like a Costa Rica, you have all this Central America, but you don't have any like Javas or you don't have any Konyas or if you don't have any, so, or you only have one African coffee, you know, why aren't you, ha you know, why don't you have a Kenya AB? Why is there only... Well, so you, that was an advantage. To me, it almost, I would wonder uh, that too many choices confuses people and it might be better to start narrower, but you're saying no, and particularly around here, people are like, oh, I want this, I want to try this. Well, here's the thing. If, if you have a cafe like us, if something just doesn't sell hot on the retail shelf, we can sell it on drip, um, number one. Number two, you can always play with it and see if it makes a good espresso. You never know. You or know. you can make, um, play you can around with it, it, blend it, so and see options. if it makes good blends. So you can blend it and make it into something really magical. And if it right? just doesn't sell and it doesn't sell, then it's just something we won't buy again. It and could it's, be something that maybe doesn't taste good in yeah. here, but it could be really good in a beer. In a beer. It could be something yeah. that's really good in an ice cream. What do you recommend then uh, for someone who's starting up? A minimum of how many and a maximum of how many? So a third simplicity. of the world's coffee is Brazil. Um, I would definitely do a Brazil. I would definitely do a Colombia because mm -hmm. um, that's your traditional like French roast. Ethiopia. Um, and then I would definitely do like an Ethiopia. That'd be three. And then number four, um, I would do something more like uh, more niche, like uh, maybe like a Bolivia or like Nicaragua. Or yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And you one know, thing I can say. Very delicious coffees, yeah. but they're 
a more on the ex more expensive side. But call know? contact Green Bean buyers. They will yeah. send you samples. I can give you some reps yeah. phone numbers if you want. And you know yeah. they're more than happy to you know if Try you're. Them. They'll send you samples. Yeah, they will. And I mean, you know, just tell them be like, I'm interested in coffees from this origin, this origin, and this origin. Let them know what your price range is and what you're willing to pay per pound, and they will send you samples of something that is within that price range and in the origin that you're looking and for. It's also they'll tell you the scores. The yeah. They, they know everything about the product, sure, the sure, climate, the region. That's what like, they're for. You know, elevation, all this other stuff. All that stuff usually on their website, but it's kind of like wine. Like Valerian's big into wine. My palate's going to be different than his palate. He could taste a amazing bottle of wine and be like, this is sucks. And I could be like, this is amazing. Or vice versa, I'd be like, this is amazing. And he's like, this sucks or whatever. So it's kind of like that with coffee. So what I taste in coffee might be different than what everyone in this room tastes in coffee. Absolutely. But part of the coffee world too, depending on if you have a cafe or not, or other combinations, like if you do open up a cafe and you're doing lattes and traditional macchiatos and cortados and flat whites and things, you know, keep in mind that the syrups, the chocolates, the milks you use is going to be a big factor because your, your, your espresso's masked 20 ounce latte. You're never going to taste espresso. Know. I don't care how good your palate is. So your yeah. milk's going to be a big determinant factor. Your syrups is going to be a big determinant factor. Sure. Your sauces, yeah. yeah. Quality and is And try key. not to get what everyone else gets. Try to get a local company, local honey, local mm -hmm. chocolate or cho you know, local like, milk. Like, local milk, like we use clover. Like, you know, try to get local stuff. That's really, Strauss is really great, but they're super expensive, you know? And then for like oat milks too, I mean, I'm sorry, for your alternative milks, try to go to the barista series, you know, get the Pacific, the Cliffias, the Oatleys, because they put a certain amount of fats in there that will allow them to seem, so you have that good consistency right. to make mm -hmm. that good latte art and stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. Don't just use the cheapest like silk or whatever. You don't want to use that. I'm Ed, guys. I'm from hey, Nicaragua. Uh, come from a Hello. family uh, of coffee growers, third generation. Nice. We do milling, and hopefully I'm going to be doing some importing soon, right? That's great. Great. Uh, so I, w I wanted to understand how you guys uh, evolved. Now you have three shops, but yeah. you, began, you, you had one, right? Yes. And uh, when you had that first initial coffee shop, where did you guys store your coffee? Did you guys have a, a green room or... Yeah. Maybe when you got the second shop, you, you yeah. went out and, you know, hired a space. So, you know, I wanted to ask about the origins, but we covered that, uh, yeah. Michael. Now I would like to know how you, how, how you stored, how you grew with your storage and the amount of coffee that you keep. Because yeah. you have a lot of origins, okay. right? <laughs> yeah, so right now we're fortunate because we have that Coro place. You pay per pallet. So we have four pallets. So we have our, our coffee there. And then the Annex... They let us store their coffee there as well. Um, but if we didn't have that, and that's why I like it's funny because our cafe, right next, we got the space next door and it says, future home of Pink Owl Craft Roasters. And people always ask us, like, oh, are you putting a roaster in there? I'm like, that was the original plan. We were going to put like a little roaster in there. But like, there's no way. We need like a forklift and like commercial warehouse and shelving. And there's no way. Like, you know what I mean? And I want, I want to be like a quitter. I want like I want like seven roasters in my roaster. Like, I don't want just one. Because mm -hmm. one's good for one thing. Another's good for another thing. Another's good for another thing. So, um, 
between our garage when we started to our cafe, you know, keep in mind everything above, you know, you can always store Trinity shelves are great because you can, you know, for lightweight stuff. But for beans, we are fortunate because we have the Coro and the Annex mm -hmm. that stored it for us. So like, yeah. sorry, the Coro is different from the Annex. Right? Yeah, so yeah. Coro is where we roast. It's, it's like this, but, but like on a bigger scale. Yeah, the roasting machines. No, the Annex is where the they come, the shipping containers come yeah, in and they store the coffees. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and and the annex is, is um, basically all green beans. There's nothing there that's roasted, so they're just importing everything from the shipping containers and stuff. And then that's where all of the the green dried dry green beans are held. And then they go at, on eighteen wheelers to different to different places, states, yeah. different places. And then at Co Row uh, is where we we store uh, a lot of our roasted coffee. And then in San Rafael. As small as both of our little shops are in San Rafael, or both spaces, um, we actually uh, store our roasted beans there. But like you said, building up is key. So everything is stacked on top of everything, you know, and we have everything very strategically placed. One thing out of order ends up being a complete mess. So, yeah. you know, but you, it just utilizing the space you have is key. Um, and you know, like he said, um, at one point, a little part of our garage was a part of our storage, but, um, it's still got to be inspected. It still has to be looked at. It still has to be six inches off the ground, all that other stuff. So you and still have to abide by all environmental health things. But, um, last thing, just if you have the money, like for startup or whatever, you know, cause you can go through your money really quick. If you could buy beans in bulk, buy them in bulk, because if you could buy 10 bags or whatever for you know, two dollars versus two fifty a bag. Do it because they're going to go up in price. It makes a it huge, does. huge, huge. It does, difference. and you would be surprised how quickly one thing that you buy and you love and you find a coffee that's amazing and you do the perfect roast and every and all of a sudden there it's gone. They're like, sorry. We started roasting <laughs> when we started. We were roasting about like a hundred pounds a week or something. We're like almost two thousand pounds a week. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I was. I have to say, when you started to roast, and I knew you guys were hit by COVID. I I was shocked how much coffee you sell. Yeah. Because now because everything was locked down. Everything was shut down. Yeah. It's like these guys, I cannot have weekends because these yeah. guys are coming for coffee again. Yes. So it was funny. And I, I was like, wow, this is awesome. We were so close to being like many other businesses and thinking about closing our doors. We sat down, we thought really hard and contemplated over what we needed to do. And Joe was like, you know what, let's try to stay open. Very next day, I contacted everyone I needed to from CDC to environmental health, making sure that I was allowed to keep my space open and making sure that I was allowed to be deemed an essential business because I can have everything to go. No one has to come into my space. I can have delivery and everything. Pivoted. I pivoted. I pivoted so hard, I don't think my baristas really knew what to do because at that point, we went from having no platform to having every single one you could think of. Well, not only did we platform that way, but then we start looking at your costs. You're like, you know, because before we just order and stuff, and you're like, mm -hmm. well, how much am I really paying for this? Can I, can I get it cheaper? Our pastries, we started like, you know, making our own pastries. We actually started yep. making popsicles. We had yep. make all popsicles and we got little things made and we were doing like, so anything we else we could do to get and we were trying to get into other breweries and restaurants and wholesale accounts and we would talk to everyone so just talking to people farmers markets things like that as much as covid sucked covid brought out the best in some of the people in our community the restaurant industry coffee community and every community around 
just literally looked at everyone and was like, you know, rather than us doing all of these big corporate things, what can we do to support each other? Let's continue to work with each other. Let's continue to buy from each other. Let's continue to support each other. I mean, I had probably a good 20 or more businesses of local people around us that came in and just bought gift cards from us yeah. because a gift card never expires. You can use it whenever. And we did the exact same thing. We went around to as many we little small, have we still have so many gift so cards. Many and we, we give them away as gifts, yeah. you know, we keep them for ourselves. But, you know, it was just a good way for us to be able to continuously not only support a business now, but in the future too. So, yeah. Hi, I'm CK. Um, Hi, CK. I'm a bit of a equipment gearhead when it comes to uh, coffee. So I'm curious when you when you put up your coffee shop, um, how do you go about picking your grinder, your machine? Sure. Did you consider getting like a used sure. um, espresso machine or even as simple as like you know they're really nice. Some some coffee shops have really nice cups, like mm -hmm. non non takeaway cups, mm -hmm. and so there are brands like you know not neutral that are really nice, but they're mm -hmm. a little more on the expensive side. So how do you kind of rationalize and go through that decision? I wanted brand new equipment, me personally, for the first cafe, and the reason being is because it was clean. It was. I knew I there would be no dependability. Can we for a second? I feel like, like my back's like the dependability. Um, so we started in our first cafe with the Larmazarco Strata. So it's it's like one of their top of the line. Really beautiful machine. I love it. Um, it's great. And uh, we have Mazer grinders, uh, two of those. And then for the equipment, should we do Bun? Should we do Fecco? Should we do Curtis? Um, a lot of People are going away from Bun and going to like Fecco and Curtis. But then Bun kind of like, since they lost a lot, they kind of like reinvented themselves and they have some really good equipment. So we went with Bun and we love it. Love you it. know, for their batch brew, for their, uh, uh, you know, you know our, our grinders for uh, the batch. batch grinders. Um, and then uh, as far as, are you talking about like that or like, refri like refrigeration and stuff like that too? Just like that oh. stuff. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking about takeaway cups, like the cups. The in-house. Oh, the cups. Okay, so I found a company. Yeah, there's a company called Acme, A-C-M-E. So I love them. I think their yeah. cups are really cool. Especially like their espresso cups, their cappuccino cups. And they um, bounce. Latte cups. They bounce. They don't break. They <laughs> ship them fast. I, I, yeah, our barista, they go, they go through a lot of abuse. Yeah. And a lot of good colors. They have great turnaround time. They have they, great little espresso spoons. Yeah. They have, you they know, have everything. They have everything. Or, and, or, sorry, sorry, even as small as like, you know, tampers, distribution tools. Because yeah. distribution tools, yeah. you can go from like, yeah. $10, you can go from like yeah. $250. So when we started, right? we Or do you we ask your barista using, or like? No. Actually, it's funny. We did ask a barista and she's like, oh, it's kind of like a conflict. A barista of a, of a local coffee shop that we um, went to, we used to support. And she's like, oh, it's kind of like a conflict of interest. I'm like, why? It's like common knowledge of where you bought this building. I'll find out myself. So we, at first, start. we went to like um, espresso parts. It's a big one. Mm -hmm. um, now they buy in super bulk, so sometimes you can get a better deal with them than you can directly with the manufacturer. Through, for instance, Hario USA, um, unless if you're buying in super big bulk, uh, they're only going to give you like I think like a fifteen percent or twenty percent discount. Is their wholesale? 
Uh, whereas they'll get 35%. They'll mark it up, but you'll still save money. You with save them. money, yeah. So we now try to go straight, like we go straight to like Aeropress. We go straight to Hario. We go straight to like Pacific. We go straight to all the people that we want to get equipment or cups or whatever from. If we can't find it, even like the tampon equipment or whatever. In the beginning, we just started with the Amazon, you know, because... That, I think we still have tampers from the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, they, they don't go back, like, for the most part. Well, once you, well, it's it's weird. Once you find a tamper you like, it's kind of like your favorite coffee cup. You yeah. never want to use a different one. So, okay. um, you try to, even like Chemex, even like Barista uh, or Barraza or whatever for the grinders, the you know, bird grinders. We go directly through them, you know, try to get those wholesale channels because number one, you don't pay tax. Yeah. Number two, if, if you have a seller's permit, and then number two, uh, you are getting everything at wholesale, like true wholesale. You know what I mean? So. And for me, um, in whenever we opened up our second, second coffee shop, um, we actually went with a combination of some used equipment and new equipment. Yes. Um, the one thing I will never buy used, ever, and this is just because you never know what abuse someone has put it through is an espresso machine. Mm. Um, I would that, say never buy it new. You have to know a lot about it. You have equipment. to know, yeah. You need to know the person who's rebuilding it. You need to know where it came from. So I, we use Dolce & Nevi around here. They're yeah. a local guy in Petaluma. They're they're, you know, they're great. Awesome. You know, they're Lerma, Lerma Zorco and I think Bunman or retailer or whatever. So they buy directly from them. Mm -hmm. They do all the sales and service. They do all of our service. We have them come in and do you know, all the, like, the little things like the gaskets and like... You know, but like the burrs of the grinder, we can do it, but like I'd rather them just do it. They change out all the filtration. Some other things we can do. So there's things you can save costs on. A lot of those things you can do yourself. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But like we, we're too busy. We don't have, I don't have time to go buy all these filters, change them all out and everything and keep time. They do it all for it. It's like, you know. Um, but yeah, so we bought like a Malcone grinder. Like a lot of equipment. A couple of the grinders, yeah. Too. We have, you know, for our other cafe. But espresso machine, just just know what you're getting or yeah. just know how to work on it. Because Anything that brews your coffee, you always want to make sure. That's the Sorry. most important yeah. thing. Yeah, anything that brews your coffee. Your grinders and stuff, I mean, are, are important too, definitely, because you want to make sure that obviously a consistent grind is important. But I feel like a grinder can be refurbished a little bit better than an espresso machine can. Um, and to me, whatever is brewing your coffee is going to be extremely important. And if you buy your espresso machine off of the mom and pop store down the road, who's just trying to get rid of their espresso machine, you may end up paying more money in building it out and fixing it and refurbishing it and doing more maintenance on it than if you just would have just bought a brand new one. And they'll work with you. There's finance yeah. deals. I mean, for instance, exactly. our, our Strata, we have one like that. Mm -hmm. A Strata, it's a three group. It was $25,000. In our second cafe, we got a Linea for 10000 Brand new. You know what I mean? It was their bot. But I'd rather that than like some used three group, like, you know, something, whatever, you, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, and it, it, it pulls amazing shots. It's, it's dialed in because, you know, you know, that's. Yeah, not everything is Lamar Zocco, by the way. It's no. not. As, mu as much as I love Lamar Zocco's and yes. having them here is our best choice. But yes. if you cannot afford Lamar Zocco's, in my company, in Green Plantation, we don't use Lamar Zocco's. Mm -hmm. But I would never buy a used coffee maker. No. Because any if your espresso maker shuts down, your business shuts You're down. Done. You're done. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. If you can't make coffee, you can't be There's open. a lot of great brands. 
to buy from? A lot of great ones. I mean, espresso machines are, there's hundreds of brands and there's some beautiful the machines too. There's some really cool espresso machines. There's some with some foot paddles and there's some other perch profile, you know, shots and whatnot, but, um, they could take a little longer if you have a line out the door. If you, I mean, you want a workhorse. You want something that can bang out. You and know, if it needs to be fixed, it can be fixed quickly. Shots. And the parts are easy to get. Yeah, not parts like, are easy to know. get, exactly. And technicians. And technicians, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my uh, Aaron again. I had a question about actually your ceramics and your, your shirts and stuff. Um, do you guys design them yourself or do you get designers to come in and work with you or what, what do you, what is no. your like? We, we do we most of We came up with stuff. the logo, yeah. but most companies, if you send them like a vector file or whatever, they'll re, even if you don't, if you just like send them a card or something, they'll, they'll recreate it. Yeah. A lot of times there's like a one-time setup fee for depending on what you're doing. It could be 25 to hundreds, but they'll do, they'll, and then they'll, continuously work on an improvement until you approve that image that, that or window. whatever. So. And our, our friend, um, Chrissy is the one who helped us design. Right. She's an artist. And but so, she just drew it and then yeah. we had to get it like professionally, professionally formatted done, yeah. into like okay. a vector. And we chose and the file font and yeah. stuff like that ourselves. So, um, so I had another question that's, um, about finance actually. Mm -hmm. I know that you guys said that you started off um, two different jobs, uh, massage and mm -hmm. uh, consultant. consultant. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, but as someone like me who doesn't have a lot, did you guys finance it all or did you get help like a loan, grants, no. anything like that? I wish we would have. We paid cash. Um, <laughs> we, the SBA we, you, yeah, and is we amazing. Used, and we used um, savings that we SCA? had. SBA. Small Business Administration. Okay. SBA.gov. Yeah, got it. Okay. Um, they're amazing. They do so many different grants for new businesses Wonderful. and loans and whatnot. But then and, their loan, and their loans have low percentage rates too, usually. So mm. they're kind of, they, they help small businesses, but they also try to help keep you in business too. They don't just rake you through everything by charging you interest. Yeah, it's government racked. Uh, you know, as somebody who like has to really think about that, you know, it's, you have to think about whether or not what you're getting like a loan, is that the best choice for you right then and there? Like, should I go for a grant or should I just kind of like bootstrap it? You know, I, I mean, it just depends on what your passion is. I mean, I feel like people like will open up a pizza place and they'll say, Oh, you know, there's a bunch of pizza places, but if you're passionate and you go in there every day early and you're like the best pizza place out there, you know, you know, you have fresh ingredients and right. you really have a passion for it, you're going to succeed. Of course. So if you're in for the long haul, get the loans, you know, all day long. Definitely oh, yeah. try to get the grants. It depends on your time, too. Like if you have time and yeah. you want to just sit there and apply for a bunch of different grants or whatever, it might take a while to get back. But mm. I mean, I would definitely and a lot of these companies. um, and manufacturers, and even like with the equipment, like Dolce Neve that sells us, like they have financing available. Is that right? Yeah, and then a lot of credit unions. You know, banks are publicly traded through the stock market. Credit unions are privately or uh, employee owned. Like they're, you know, they're they're ran by like 
telephone companies or car companies or power companies or whatever. So depending on what credit unit it is, uh, they're easier to get loans, business loans and things like that from. So, I mean, I would definitely, you don't want a bunch of inquiries on your credit because that's not only what your score is, but, you know, I would definitely try to, you know, go do, and then there's like with these days, like doing credit karma and stuff, there's like different like nab.com that has, it's all for business. It's like that. And they can do like, um, different, like, uh, funding, there's crowd funding, right. there's different things. So I would definitely try to get money if you can. Yeah. I, I want to, uh, I, uh, one of the questions I was hoping I could get an answer is if there's any like coffee shop specific grants, but uh, you know, it's just searching at the. Not, not that we have found no. at this point. Um, there's like restaurant. There, yeah, there's restaurant industry. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. which we fall under for the most part. We're kind of we're under the. Um, yeah, yeah, we're under the umbrella of a limited mm. food facility. So that technically considers us to be restaurant industry. Okay. Yeah. So, as somebody who's going to sell just coffee, I can get away with that. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, exactly. I could do that. You can do that, <laughs> exactly. It's definitely worth looking into. You know, McDonald's makes a third of their income off of a Coca-Cola versus their, you know, burgers. Yeah, because a Coke costs 10 cents or whatever, and they're charging a dollar sixty or whatever it costs for... I think the same thing with French fries. Um, so, supplement... When we first started, our average ticket was like... $6 or something like that. I think it's like 11 or 12 now, you know what I mean? Because now we do a lot of pastries and we have like grab and go and whatnot. And we have different bot, like we'll get like Mexican Cokes that we buy for a dollar, but we're selling them for three fifty. So there's a lot of supplemental income things that you can do on the side. And we um, just started adding that in. Yeah. Like we just started adding more grab and go items in. It's and not like sure we started off that way. No, we didn't start yeah. off that way at all. Make sure you also charge for your alternative milks and things like that too, because I mean, you know, oat milk's expensive and you're paying $3 for like a little tiny, like 32 ounce carton of it. You get $3 for a gallon of milk. So, you know, make sure that you're up charging for those milks. I mean, the old, well, the guy that used to work here, the older guy, Marcus, his philosophy was just doing, just charge up charge for everything, whether you get whole milk, whatever, so it doesn't look like there's a price, but um, we don't have a, we have a chalkboard, but it's very basic. There's like 20 drinks on it. We don't put prices out because most cafes don't, you know what I mean? Because there's an upcharge for syrups. There's an upcharge for milks. There's an upcharge for sauces. There's an upcharge for whipped cream. There's an upcharge for, I mean, there has to be. I mean, those are extra things that we're paying on, you know what I mean? Um, so... But you probably make more money off of drip coffee than you do off of lattes because there's so many different factors in a latte that right. goes into it, you know? And to talk about prices, um, this is a conversation I've had with my brother about what we should sell our bags for. And, of course, he has the idea, okay, well, if we sell it cheaper, people are going to want to buy it more because it's cheaper. And I explained to him, well, it's actually not the best idea it's better to go with a higher price. People yes. are going to be like, ooh, that's expensive, but there's a reason yes. it's expensive. Mm -hmm. And it's that, like, it's that idea where people want quality. They don't mm -hmm. care about pricing. Mm -hmm. like, that's true. We don't sell by pound. We sell by 12 ounces or 340 mm -hmm. grams. Blue Bottle, big company here, uh, and those here from Berkeley, but they're so big that they're like in Manhattan. They were acquired by Nestle. And they gave them like a hundred million dollars or something wow. to build their brand. So they have like three hundred and fifty cafes like 
I think on this coast or something. Another couple, there are a couple thousand. They're cafes. everywhere. They're everywhere, and internationally they're everywhere too. Right. Um, but they uh, they do eight ounce, so it's really like you know limited. Really small. Yeah. Uh, but most cafes do twelve. Um, the bigger like Pete's, Starbucks, Bills, they all do a pound. I would say stay away from the pounds. Um, another thing is like little wording, like we put specialty coffee on the back of ours and the right. Francis craft roaster. Like people right. see that, you know, yeah, they're like, exactly. those are important. Yeah. We were things. thinking about doing like 12 ounces. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. Cause I, I've noticed a lot, like it's, it, it's, it would be weird if a specialty coffee company sold under like $20 at this point. Yeah. Like everywhere I go, yeah. everything's like $20. Have one up. cheap one, you know of what course, I mean? Have yeah. a blend. Right. Of something cheap and then your coffee should be like sixteen ninety nine and up. Yeah, from there. it's like, oh, you that's the I mean? special stuff. Yeah. Go for you can get the house blend yeah. or you can get the special stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So with Green Plantation we have three tiers. And we built we started uh, to sell coffee when the coffee was three dollars uh in two thousand twelve. It's a similar situation right now. That's when we priced about three tiers. And our philosophy was not only to uh have cheap and more expensive coffees, but to be able to price coffees based on a coffee price of, of the market. Right. Because if today, a lot of our competition is raising prices, we don't have to, we just move the coffees to a different tier. And our customers know we have three tiers. We always have a one coffee, which is always, even if the price would be the $4, which is a, like a comfortable price that people can try out your philosophy, your roasting, your style. Yeah. So that's kind of like, yeah, go check us out. It's a small investment. And after that, if they click, they go with the higher tiers because there's also a psychology in the pricing and people think that the cheaper things are worse, especially in wine. My God, there's so much, I was the nasty word, bullshit when it comes to pricing, right? It's, it's your psychology. So, yeah. yeah, I had actually, it's funny you said that because you also find that in whiskey too. I had a, we did like a whiskey tasting with my uncle and he had like seven of them and he gave me, he gave us a little glass of his $500 one. Poppy Man Winkle. But that was not the best one. Yeah. That was actually my least favorite one. Yeah. But you know what? They yeah. sold it for 400. They he bought it. Mm-hmm. He thought it was great. And it, you know, it, you get into that, like people just get into that mindset like, well, okay, if it's expensive, it must be good. Knowledge is power though. If you have the capability to send them like a card with it, brewing instructions, you don't even have to put it on mm. your package, but like send it with them. Because if you take any coffee and you do it at, at the finest from Turkish all the way to like a coarse percolator right. and you cupped every single one of those modalities of coffee, they're all going to taste different. Right. Even if it's the same exact coffee. So like the way that this, some coffees like for instance, Brazil coffees are very dense. The beans very forgiven. Like other coffees, like they're only good for a couple different things. And besides that, you don't really want to, branch out from that right. you know so knowledge is power of course of yeah. course i mean one of my favorite things um i can't i'm trying to think of the website coffee bar in reno yeah their website is glorious because yeah. not only do they like they are really smart about the way they advertise the like great. first thing is subscribe yeah and then but everything else is is that they give you on all of their copies they give you information of like this would be good with this yes. this is how you do this yes. right 
and that's awesome. Yes. Like that's what that's what we need, honestly. So, yeah. and that's what makes pricing easy at a high price because you're giving them that. When you own a cafe and like you're good at it, like we're good at it, but then you have all these baristas that like aren't as knowledgeable as us. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so we try to make it as simple as possible. We have everything from like really most of our copies are more light to medium, um, actually more mediumish. I'd say I don't go too dark with everything because so many like around here all the coffee is dark right it's like almost black the beans and i feel like a lot of the flavors and profiles and everything goes away with when that happens depending on the coffee so i prefer my coffee is more medium yeah I, dark, i've noticed that know? light is also another thing that's lighter. kind of blowing up too yeah, well, lighter has more caffeine in it you know yeah. they're more caffeinated you can actually taste more of the floral Notes you know, to it. Notes to I it. have a question. Yes. yes. Which somebody asked, and you guys didn't ask it again, and I'm really curious. How important is the food? What does it make up of your sales? That's a great question. I know. It's, yeah. It's a big percentage. It's a big percentage. As much of a percentage of it as, you know, you as don't a 25 want it to, be to higher percent. Percentage. You know um, what I mean? When we have we grab and go burritos. Burritos, we do. Grab and go breakfast sandwiches. Um, we have a little. Uh, like cheese meat well, board. Well, we started with that and we have like we, we pay someone to do that like yeah. we, we, we hire a company yeah yeah. oh we, you can hire yeah. companies to do that for so you. so that's one thing but that, yeah. now we said like well you know we're paying them a 50% markup or whatever and it's like well, I can make my own and I could like it's like 20% and then you know that's what it costs to make and then we keep 80% of the profits so now with the staff that we have because that's always the problem is staffing right and labor labor is mm -hmm. the killer of any business um so now that we have like a consistency with that we can actually have them like prepare so we have like a like a dedicated baker now and yeah. she only bakes for us and she's doing so good and she's so fast that we're actually she's doing our popsicles now and she's doing other things so we're doing like fruit cups we're doing like the um, meat and cheese boards the meat and cheese boards we're ham doing like cheese, ham and cheese croissants. we're doing like these little salami like sandwiches we're doing other little no. things in-house no. that make us Unique number one, but number two, it brings that profit way up for well, us. I'm definitely going to come by this week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if delicious. you have a coffee shop, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but if you have a coffee shop that you want people to sit at and you want people to hang out, which is what we invite, we invite people to come and sit, hang, work, do your schoolwork, whatever you got to do. The way you keep those people there and the way you keep them coming back up to your counter and continuously purchasing stuff is having something to eat, having something yes. to snack on, having yes. other drink options, having, you know, a, a little pastry or something that they can grab and and have with their coffee. Because as much as you want to be just a sole coffee seller, unless you just have a little tiny coffee cart, just slinging coffee isn't going to make it. Yeah. You know, um, you have to have something else there that substance that someone will stay and continuously keep coming back for when we started this we said you know what we're in the coffee world we want to be in the coffee world we want nothing to do with the restaurant part of it or the food part of it because that's not who we are but you become that person because like <laughs> it's funny like that's a big it's like a no-brainer money part of it and i used to say like you're you have to have amazing coffee and you have to have amazing food to do both but that's not necessarily true i mean have amazing coffee have really good food but country on your coffee, but do food too, or pastries or whatever you can do because people will stay. Otherwise you'll see them like kind of there for a couple minutes or an hour and then they're hungry and they leave, but they'll sit there all day and they'll work. And then commotion brings, you know, emotion and brings people in. So at least your cafe is packed. 
every seat's taken, they're like, oh shit, I want to work here. I want to hang out. What's going on here? You know what I mean? So it's actually a good thing, you know? Dude, that's what I love on you. That I remember when you guys came, the first time you said this about the food, and I was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, I have no experience with coffee. And now a few months later or a year later, you guys pivot and you just go like, oh no, that was, that was silly. That's, yeah, yeah, we that know was that silly. this makes money and we yes. move on. So yeah. that's really cool. You're constantly growing. Huh? I do sell tea. <laughs> we do a lot of tea. Yeah, we do. We have about like twenty different loose leaf teas. Even I'm the tea person. So chai and matcha is another huge thing, huge. And we do a chai concentrate with your loose, through a loose leaf tea, and then we add like an English breakfast to it. And so we got all like the and then we. Hmm. Um. Uh. Yeah. Adigo. Yeah. Adigo yeah. teas. So, She's the. Yeah. So I'm 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 the I'm the tea. She's the tea person. person yeah. So, um, and then we buy from different sources, you know. Yeah. And uh, we this is the same thing with coffee. We'll try different things to see what works. And it also depends on what's available right now. There are three different herbs and a couple different types of tea that you just can't get right now, especially in bulk. And to be able to try and purchase those teas and resell them. It's just not worth it. We so, don't necessarily yeah. try to sell too much on a retail shop because we're a coffee shop. Yeah. But like a lot of people come in for English breakfast, London Fogs. We sell a lot of green tea, like a Herba Monte and like a Geisha. We also sell a lot of white tea, like a Peony. A lot of chai, decaf and regular. A lot of you chai. know, a lot of chai, a lot, lot of, of matcha. Oh, like t- just teas or everything? Oh, the lots. A lot of a stuff. Lot. Yeah. Well, you, we started small and. <laughs> We grew. <laughs> and we grew, yeah. you know, as we started seeing customers ask for different things. And, you know, we, we started getting suggestions from other baristas, other coffee shop owners. And, you know, it, you start to grow into what you have. Um, and I, I feel like in this industry, it's constantly growing and constantly changing. So just being subjected to one thing and being like, this is the only thing I'm going to do and I'm never going to change is going to quickly put you in the hole and you will never, ever, ever grow and never succeed as a business because the minute you decide that you will never change is the minute that... Always pivot. Always, always pivot. Always, 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 always pivot. Always. And know you're going to have to. Do you but, ever feel like you would... I do have a question now, like all the things that you have and COVID, I, having a business, I know how much price are changing right now. Curious how you guys manage your cost of goods because, like, for me, I'm like going crazy. Like every week, is like this went up, this went down, yes. this went up again, triple. Nothing time. goes uh, down. Everything goes everything up. Everything goes up. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I, I tell them nice. that. I always tell them that. I'm always. It's, I'm like, it's funny how like with our coffee distributors, you know, with our green bean buyers, wh- wh- whoever is our syrups, our milks. I'm like, it's so funny because you guys are always going up. I never, ever, ever once get a phone call saying that things are going down. And I'm, like, I'm not stupid. I understand that some things go up, but you're putting everything up and you're never putting anything down. When am I gonna get something that's down? Because now I have to charge more for each drink or each you know, pastry or each whatever it is. Um, it's, it sucks, but you just kind of have to figure out if it makes sense or not, depending on what we're talking about. And do here. you guys have a system to control your cost of goods? Or like, do you have like some sort of to manage, like this is my inventory, Square? Square with us. Yeah, yeah, they do everything. Square's like a monopoly, man. They do payroll, they do loyalties, all inventory. one side. They do inventory, they do- Everything. Like, even with other businesses, they do appointments, they do capitals, on your transaction, like here's a hundred grand if you need it for a startup or whatever. Yeah. And we'll take 10% of your daily sales. I mean, if you need that, you know, they'll do, they do your taxes, they do, I mean, they do everything. So we use their inventory portal okay. for that. 
And of course they charge you for all these different services that they have. And you know, also too, some of your cost of goods may go up, but you compensate with other stuff sometimes. And check other, like, so I'll contact like, for instance, like allies, one of our green bean buyers. So I'll like contact them and like, oh, well, Joe, like I can't get my hands on like, you know, uh, Ethiopia right now, you know, it's at sea and I got two bags left and it's, you know, $5 a pound or whatever. And I'll contact someone else, even someone new. And that makes you grow because instead of being used, one of the best things is don't get comfortable. Mm-mm. Like we have a distributor, I'm not going to mention their name, but they were supplying our syrups, which, you know, we have a lot of different syrups. We use 1883. It's a good, uh, local high quality, high quality great. not local. They're in, yeah. they're from the French. Uh, but they um, use uh, that water system, and they're and they're really big, and they do a lot for cafes and bars and things like that. But um, they we weren't getting the flavors that we like all these hot like gingerbread, peppermint, like you know pumpkin spice things like that. And we're like, why aren't we getting this stuff? So we contacted them, and we couldn't really get an answer. But the distributor contacted us and said that they owe them like tens of thousands of dollars. So because we now we're on, we're, we're used to them. We have to get out of our comfort zone. We had to find someone else, but actually since we found someone else, we found it cheaper and we found more options or whatever. So get out of your comfortable zone from day one. And when you start seeing things, yeah, looking for other companies. And when you you start seeing things getting like weird, like, you know, the, the distributor we were using, like all of a sudden they're not able to get, all of these things like all of a sudden and it's like, okay, well what's going on? And you know, we directly contact the manufacturer and we ask them for the supplies that we're needing. And you know, it just realize that once things start kind of going a little weird, that's something in the background that's not your fault is going on. So at that point, maybe start looking at different distributors and looking at different Even people. Green coffee. Like yeah. I've, I've, like I said, like I, I would find one for four or $5 a pound. And like this other guys, I got like 20 bags up to two fifty. It's a higher grade. It's a better coffee. It's just, he's sitting on it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not as big as popular or whatever. So I skip that. It could be syrups. It could be milks. It could be whatever, you know? Yeah. So check your competition. Definitely. This is Michael. So it sounds like I, my question was, and it sounds like you answered it, is that you're willing to say, gee, I've worked for you now with you for nine months, but you're not doing it. And you find somebody yeah, else absolutely. willing to do that. Yeah. yeah. My last question to. is um, you now roast your own beans. Yes. What machine did you choose and why? So I, my favorite machine is a Probat. I think they're just, it's like the Ferrari of machines. It stands for reliable. So um, in Germany, um, and the machine, me and Larry has talked about this, and he always sends me over different machines. I'm not necessarily fond of one machine or another. A lot of people, including Marcus, hates luring. He thinks it's a smart technology roaster. Um, they're a local company in Santa Rosa. Um, he thinks that he can taste, he probably can, taste the coffee. But Marcus That's has correct. a palate. Mar- Marcus does not hate loading. It's usually me. And we don't hate loadings. We just yeah. warn you that they are different. Different. And I actually recommend loading for different things. And I would recommend yeah. Probat. So exactly. just to clarify that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, me... I'm going to start them with whatever I can get my hands on. Um, but I'll, I, if I was you, like I would just get whatever I can get. Um, but as you're growing, you'll probably, um, you'll probably end up getting multiple roasters and for different purposes. I mean, mm-hmm. you, have, 
Uh, I, right now, I have that. We have that co row. The co So we we oh, we users we yeah. use co row. We're we're getting a roaster okay. now, um, but I, I will have. Yeah, so I'll have two. Is probably what we're gonna start with, um, but um, co row or a co op, if they have that in your area, start there because you can actually. And actually, if you're around here. Besides Coro, there's another one right next to, what is that other one called? Booty Collective. Yeah, Booty Collective. So it's just like it, yeah. but different. And, you know, do a couple of those, and then you can actually play on their machines and try their different machines and see what you like and what you don't like. That's the true. reason that we use the Lauren and Coro is because they have a 35 kilo, which I can roast. It's the bigger pounds, uh, you know, in one shot versus a little tiny, I'll be there all freaking day roasting on this little five kilo, you know. So they they have a little five kilo probe out, which is great, but it's you know so that's what um I can use. Sorry right to now. push your hand, but this is a very important information. Yes. That's always the the main topic: what size of a coffee roaster to bring uh, buy or use. And- I would not start with anything under fifteen kilo. I mean, I would that'd be the minimum. But it, it depends if if you if you want to be in grocery stores and restaurants. If you want to be small and you're just selling to like little local places and you're just only on you know, maybe a handful of grocery stores or something, you could definitely go smaller. It depends on, just keep in mind, if you have to replace that roaster with something bigger, that's where it gets expensive. Mm-hmm. So if you have the bigger roaster or a decent sized roaster initially, like if we had to roast on that, oh my God. I remember Valerian, like as we were growing, that he one, used to be like. <laughs> that one just uh, for the listeners, yeah. that's a six kilo Giesen. Yeah, yes. and Giesen's <laughs> an amazing machine. But like if you're roasting a couple thousand pounds, oh my, you'd be here all day, all day. like all week, you and know. time is key because especially if you're paying someone for your roasting, if you're not doing it yourself or if you're paying by the hour at somewhere like Coro, time is key. So, you know. Are you worried about transitioning from a Loring to this no. probat? No. Take this roast and put it on? No, it'd be like you're used to a Mustang and now you're driving a, a Dodge. You know what I mean? So... Just to like emphasize this, um, when I started to roast for you guys, mm-hmm. I roasted 100, 200 pounds a month. You had one cafe. Mm-hmm. Since then, you have only the second one. So it's not you're just working on the third mm-hmm. one and you the extra sales. How much coffee do you sell now? Well, remember, we have now coffee clubs we have, which we really didn't have then. We have grocery stores, which we really didn't have then. And we didn't have How much then. is that? Uh, it's probably forty percent of our business. Uh, the or th- I may mean, say thirty percent. The no, combination. How much coffee you sell per month? Oh, like you like how many pounds? Yeah, a couple thousand. So well, let me say. it's ten times as much. Oh, at as, least as at least a year ago, yeah. two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a year and a half to two years ago. Two thousand pounds, right? A week, right. about. A week. But right. here's the thing, though: we do troll roasting too. I, I, who's who? Who's roasters here? You're a roaster, you're a roaster. You roast for other restaurants. So you charge them like 50 cents or a dollar or whatever, and you're you're roasting for them. Private label, they don't know you're roasting. They can say that they're the roaster, whatever they want. And for instance, Acre Coffee in uh, Petaluma, call Avon now. Um, They do a lot of troll roasting. You know what I mean? For a lot of cafes. That's kind of their niche. You know what I mean? So... What's that? Uh, the total people. Uh, Avid. 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 Uh, no, Rob want, Daly is the owner. I just wanted to emphasize that in two years, 
you grew so much that this roster would be your sample roster. That's oh this roster, yes. six kilo roster. Uh, this would be my sample roster. Yeah, exactly. In two years. Yeah. Two years. Complicated years. Yeah. Two. This <laughs> roster would maybe be able to handle very complicated years. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, like the you know the dream, the goal is to have like something like that for let's say coffee club, maybe something a little bigger for grocery stores, maybe something even a little bigger for your cafe, maybe a little smaller one for a showroom for a piece like in your cafe, so you can have that smell and that aura in your cafe. You know, so you you and that's why Equator over here on Jordan Street, right around the block. They've got like six or seven different little roasters, or not little you know, roasters in there because they do a lot of different stuff. They have one for restaurants. They have one for, you know, that if they If one ship. breaks down, you have a if backup. If one breaks down, you have a backup. That's like the second bloodline of your business. You yeah, know what I mean? exactly. Not only that, but you could have another side business. You could always rent out your roaster to someone if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they would pay you big money for that. So, But a roaster is going to cost you on the low end. I don't know, 20 grand maybe. And then what well, Lauren knew is what, 100 grand probably? Depends on the size, I think. Yeah. The, the small one, oh, but the, nobody yeah, buys 66 six kilo lowering. That's silly. <laughs> no, no, no. So, 60 grand. 60 grand. Yeah. Well, that's when there's a small one. I mean, the 15 yeah. kilo is uh, like 80, 90, and, and the 35, yeah. the 35 is 135, I think, or yeah. something like that. Something like that, yeah. Okay. The cool thing Maybe is you get supposedly but I don't. they have um, <laughs> all the roasters on for you guys use Cropster. So um, so supposedly Lauren has this technology where, because they're the smart roaster, that you can it will automatically just do all the adjustments for you um, almost to the T, like almost like perfectly that uh, pe- professional people have came in and cupped different coffees and like could like, swear by this technology. Uh, I, I've never tried that. Uh, that new technology, we like to kind of do, do everything manually instead of like automatic. But uh, some people do like that tech, that software that they offer, that new software that they offer. So it's kind of idiot proof. It's like you could have like an 18-year-old roasting for you and you literally push your button and they do nothing. Or a kitten on a puppy. Yeah. yeah. A kitten yeah. on a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We like to constantly be adjusting the gas and the temperature and, you know. All right, Jose, go for it. No, this is Jose from Republic Coffee Hello. in Pasadena. If Hello. you're ever in Los Angeles, come Definitely. down. Definitely. We have good wine. The owner is a sommelier and we, nice. we love good wine. So come nice. and we'll host you. Uh, Nothing like wine and coffee. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they go yeah, amazing I think together. It's <laughs> coffee in the morning, wine in the At night, night. Yes. coffee before you go home. Exactly. exactly. Yes. Uh, uh, who manages the accounting and office side of the operation? It used to be us, and then you slowly start micromanaging. So when we started, we did everything. Then we slowly said, like, all right. We have an assistant manager for this store. We have an assistant manager for this store. Then we have a general manager, and they kind of assist these people. And then this person. Then we have an IT guy, so he does all the new hires. He does all the web stuff. He does all like the IT type of stuff. And then we have an accountant that does like all the bookkeeping. So in the beginning, we were doing it all. But then as you grow, you're going to start. You can't do it all. So to expand, you can't be behind the bar. You can't be in your cafe all the time. You have to get out. You have to get out. To, I mean, properties are going like that fast. Equipment, like we missed, there was a restaurant that went out of business and Marine Coffee Roasters, friends of ours, Tim, they were there one day before us. I wanted to go that day, but we were busy in the cafe and they bought these grinders for a steal and we could have gotten them. But luckily we bought a Turbo Chef for $1,000 and they're like 12 grand brand new. Used are like four grand. So we did, but if we were in the cafe, we would never have that opportunity. So like you want to be able to get out. So you got to do everything yourself in the beginning. 
But I mean, in general, we both, uh, I handle, we're actively involved in a lot of it. I handle a lot of the um, employee uh, details. I handle all of our scheduling scheduling and, and you know, I'm, I'm guessing what you consider to be the general manager over all the stores. Um, and then, you know, Joe handles a lot of the roasting, other the roasting, coffee, the coffee, the buying, he, yeah, the and he deals with anyone who does our roasting suppliers. for us, the suppliers. So we're lucky that there are two of us because we know quite a few people in the industry who are just trying to do it themselves, mm-hmm. like one man it by themselves, and that's hard. So we got lucky that there are two of us because I handle one part and he handles another part. And like he said, as we're growing, though, we have to start delegating more things to more people. Um, And so, you know, we have now a couple of managers and stuff like that, too. But um, all of the internal day to day things, we we still do quite a bit ourselves. um, But as we're growing, we want to. We want to. And I I want to to be part of it. Things will never get done the right way. But if you don't do it yourself, but we like to do stay active because we enjoy what we do. Like I, I love going to the cafe. I love the aura. I love the ambiance. I love the atmosphere. I love the people. I love it's, it's magical to me. So to this day, so I love being there and I'm going to actively be there until it just gets to the point where we just, we're again tossed into other directions with open other cafes and stuff. Find a good payroll system too. So square. square that yeah that's what we use a square. I they mean, do all your D three, C nine, everything. They do all your W twos, your I nine. No, Gusto is another one that people use. Gusto, Gusto. So yeah. a lot of people use Toast too. Toast is Which another is one. But yeah. Square so just find a good so payroll easy. company if you're trying to utilize they do multiple employees for sure. Gift cards, like everything. Yeah. So it's Michael back for yet another question. Is um so here's a a a, a, a thought process I have. Okay. I start roasting beans. Yes. I'm selling some beans. I yes. decide to open a little coffee shop, yep. that little trailer in the yep. parking lot somewhere small. Yep. And boy, this is great, but I need help. And I need to hire a barista. That's the million dollar question. And so that's the seems like a possible real weak spot. Some young guy or great gal, and they're not reliable. They're reliable. Tell yep. me your story about okay. how you work that out. So I will tell you for what we learned here in our coffee one-on-one fundamental before we even opened up our cafe, uh, Marcus said um, to me, you can hire two different people. You can hire an experienced barista or you can hire a green, someone that's never been in the coffee shop, whoever you hire, make sure that they have a personality because you can never train a personality. They're the lifeline. They're the, they're the front of the face of the cafe. Um, you want someone with experience, you, you want not with experience, you want somebody that has good, you can train a barista very easily, mm-hmm. but you want that demeanor, that friendliness. Another thing that we do personally is that we a do- A people person. A people person. Yeah. We do table service, meaning like that we just bring, instead of just screaming out, you know, cozy maple spice latte, like we'll bring it to them. You know what I mean? That little tiny touch makes a big difference, but try to hire over try to hire personality over experience sometimes. We started with Indeed because they're free. Uh, just do their non-sponsored um, and yeah, and Craigslist is another one and then social media is another good one. Uh, but 
we started doing it. We started hiring experienced baristas and then you get a lot of people that are stuck in their ways. Now we like to, we have a nice good amount of like experienced baristas that like we'll start you on know, register and doing other things. We have enough tasks. We can keep you busy and then you'll slowly work your way to the espresso machine. Equator coffee. You're going to be talking to them about a lot because they're like a big motivation to me. You do not touch. They have a training facility in San Anselmo. They're all the way in Burlingame to San Francisco to here to they have a bunch of stores. It doesn't matter where you work at one of their stores, you train here and you, tra- you, you don't touch an espresso machine until you know latte art, which is like not easy to do. You know what I mean? So they make sure that you know coffee really, really well. We have four baristas that work. You worked for Equator and um, they are amazing. You know, I mean, their training is it doesn't get better than that. So you you can just make sure you train people and you and they can they'll do anything for you. So are these people generally, this is part of their life and one imagines they're going to go off to do something else. So you have this cycle of, yeah, yeah. it's the restaurant business. You're going to turn and burn or whatever, but just get emotions out of the way. And it's, it's a job and, you know, just have your replacement around the corner. You know what I mean? Um, Luckily, like we're fortunate that we don't have a lot of turnover. People really love us. And the people that do leave us is because they're leaving for school or leaving to like better their career or whatever. So we have most of our employees have been with us for a year plus, you know? So, and I think, you know, with good, just take care of them, you know, and they'll, and they'll hang around, you know, and you're going to interview a lot of people and you're going to go through a lot of people. Um, and you may, may or may not, you know, you may get lucky. I, my manager right now, she, had never had a job in her life. She came to me at 18 years old, was like, I've tried to come in here three times to get an interview, and that's when we first opened, and Joe gave her the wrong phone number, and there was just so, so many like, things, yeah. so many things going on at that point, and she's like, I just, wanted, I just wanted to get an interview, and I was like, you've come here three times? And she was like, yes, and I go, have you ever had a job before? She's like, no. I go, amazing, you're mine. I hired her instantly and she started the next day and she has been hands down the best person I've ever hired in my life. She's got the best personality. She's great with all of the employees. She loves her job. She loves what she does. She loves being in the coffee shop. She loves learning about the coffee world, but it's a dime a dozen, you know, I mean, yeah. And I mean, just because she was the first person that I hired who ended up being like amazing, that doesn't always happen. There have been you could do to keep them. Sorry, I, I was going to say, there, there have been plenty of people who just have not worked out for one reason or another. Um, just showing up for your shifts sometimes is a, uh, is a hard thing to do. Exactly. You know, who but, knew that actually being somewhere was a problem? Another thing you could do to kind of like keep them longevity wise is try to like keep them interested. So like after like, you know, they're baristas and they're doing a good job for you and you just kind of feel like, like, you know, maybe take them with you roasting and be like, all right, listen, I want to teach you how to roast. You know what I mean? So then when I'm busy, you can do like small batches or maybe like they're going up the company. company. So, you know, we try to instill that with like, so there's a big company around here called urban remedy and there's a manager that works there and they have like 400 employees or whatever. They're actually in every grocery store, um, and they're actually going out to New, they're in New York right now. And I think they're going out to LA or they're growing very fast, but, um, you know, they have a lot really good training material and whatnot. And she's given us a lot of pointers and we've taken some people from there as well. Um, and they, or people will work at both places. But, um, if you're doing roasting, maybe like 
try some like exclusive gold packages like tier three or whatever and have them do the, you know, maybe some of the the batch brews or the whatever, or if they're really good, have them do those tiers, you know what I mean? And then just, they feel more involved. And then as you grow, you never know. We never knew that we were going to have two cafes, three cafes. I thought like one cafe and we're done. And like, now I want five more and not, not for the headaches, but like, I just know that I want my name to be known. I want like, Oh, pink owl coffee. I want people to like be in Florida and be like, Oh, I've heard of pink owl coffee or whatever. There's, you know, so we just, you know, we're young enough that we want to keep growing our business. Because I, we, we, I could probably sell it right now for a decent amount, you know what I mean? Especially once I get the roaster. You have everything. We have everything from coffee club to gift cards to grocery stores to, you know, breweries to all these different. I mean, anybody with a decent amount of money would come to us and be like, this is a no-brainer business. It's established. It's ready to go, you know? It's profitable, you know? Um, but just try to try to you know engage them in other activities. Taking uh, in consideration your energy, and I'm looking at you. I knew it's not going to be only one cafe, even though you, <laughs> that was your plan. So, anyway, um, this is my last question, and it's a classic. And I want separate answers. I don't want. Uh, so I'm curious if I would give you ten thousand dollars today, and I tell you I want you to start a business in a coffee industry. What would you do? You go first. What would I do? Um, if I had someone come to me with money and was like... 10000 10, Just 10000 That would be hard. Um, Think back in the day. Like back before in the we started day. this, what would you do? You know what's funny is I don't know if I would have changed anything that we started... But I think what I probably would have maybe changed or done more is, is um, hmm, you know, having a portable mobile coffee solution would be a great idea. And around the $10,000 mark is where you can actually kind of achieve that goal. Um, you wouldn't be able to open up a coffee shop or anything with that type of money. And the reason why I say that is because at that point, you can set yourself up and go anywhere you want to. You can go to a festival. You can go to a farmer's market. You can go to a lot of different places and get your coffee out to a lot of people rather than having a lot of people come to you which is sometimes hard. You know, when you're one, one, one satellite place, you have to utilize social media, you have to utilize people advertising for you or whatever it is for those people to know where you're at and to come to where you are. Whereas if you had a mobile coffee truck cart or something along those lines, if I wanted to go up to Portland, Oregon and pop up my truck somewhere at a festival or something, I could do that. And then all those people who are at that festival or whatever would be like, oh, cool, who are you? Where are you at? What are you doing? And then I could be like, oh, well, you know, I'm opening up a shop. I have, you know, an actual coffee shop or whatever it is. Buy my beans online, um, you know, check me out wherever. Um, I would say that that would probably be what I would have invested it in, would have been more of a, a mobile coffee situation so that way, it is easier to be mobile. Cause let me tell you, doing some of these ca catering gigs <clears throat> and not having a coffee truck, 
it's a lot of setup. It's a lot of setup. It's a lot of breakdown. And after doing it multiple days back to back in a row, you really start to contemplate whether or not it's worth your time to do it. You get really quick at it. I can tell you that much. You get really quick at it, but it, it, it's a lot more of a headache. So the funny thing is, usually I send these questions ahead to people I interview on the podcast. You guys didn't get it because obviously I did not know what these uh, people will ask you. But I see how you worked through that 10,000. I see that you were surprised and you worked through it to a great answer. But I also see that I gave you an idea, so I want 10% of it. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> like sounds good. As Joy? long as long as you help me schlep all the stuff around. 10% fun. <laughs> uh, I guess to answer your question, Valerian, it depends on my knowledge base. Like, for instance, if I know what I know now and you gave me $10,000, it would be different than two years ago if you gave me $10,000. But if I did just pick one, I would say I would do kind of what you guys are doing, do the wholesale back end of it because you can you know, go to a co-row, you can, you know, buy enough beans and see when you have a cafe, you have cups and milk and syrups and employees and insurance and this and rent and blah, blah, blah. It is so many things. When you do wholesale, you have like bags yourself, a roaster and bean. It's like there's like so many less moving parts. So there's so much less going out. So I would I would just do the selling online. I would try to sell to um grocery store, not groceries, like restaurants, um, you know, because like sometimes like in you know, these restaurants, like they just, they'll order like a couple hundred pounds a week from you. And it's, if they're local, it's like, you don't do anything. Yeah. A lot of them have grinders and it's like, you're just bagging them up and you're charging them a premium. You're hot sealing them and there you go. You slap a sticker on it and then they place an order next week. It's like, that's what I would do with that money. Now what you were talking about with um, the like, so now we have uh, we have like one of those like Mercedes Sprinter like bands or whatever, but um, going to festivals, going to grocery stores, and like just saying like, listen, can we have like a little like booth here or whatever? You know, you're not making a lot of money, but you're getting your name out there, and hopefully that's like tools for you. You can go into like a place like whatever ABC Italian restaurant, and be like, oh, my coffee is at this place. You know, and here's a free sample. Like get little, like little four ounce bags and like a couple little mm -hmm. samples. Go right ground because you don't have to have a grinder. And be like, try these and let me know if you like them. I'll beat everyone's prices or whatever. And like we're really craft. You know, everything we do is um, we 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 buy fair trade or organic. If you do, you know, and whatnot. So yeah, that's what I would do. Perfect. Thank you so much. So now I'm closing this. This is a new thing for the podcast. So we'll see how it goes. It's a two hour recording nice. but there's so much gold here i i, I can I, I will listen to this editing it and I'll, i'm sure i'm going to listen to it because you guys shared so much awesome wisdom mm -hmm. uh we are op also opening a tiny cafe in green plantation slovakia and i was nice. like oh okay i'm not going to do what i thought i'm going to do what joey and sandra did so yeah thank you so much thank you guys for asking the questions thank you uh, for having us yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah. And now you have to roast. So that's your part of the course. So. And now the fun begins. And keep your friends close to you. Like when we 
when Valerian stopped roasting for me, I didn't stop contacting him. I continued to contact him and said, you know, hey, can you help me with this? I want to buy a roaster. He knew that I had an interest in roasting, even though he was like my roaster, because I would ask him equipment. I would ask him a question. I'd say, hey, can I come here and watch you roast? You know, can you teach me this? And he did. You know what I mean? And then once he started. Don't say that. People have to pay for courses, man. <laughs> no, I know. But like, keep your friends close to you because, you know, you never know where that friend will get you. And exactly. Look, we're on a and podcast right now because of. Communication with and no matter how many classes you take, you're always going to have questions. You're yeah. always going to have someone who has more knowledge than you. And if they don't, they probably know someone who does. Yes. So rather than just winging it and hoping for the best, which can sometimes cost you a lot of money, especially when you own your own company and you're trying to build your own company, sometimes having those friends and having those people near you, um, is a great asset to have because no matter what happens, one thing goes wrong and you're like, I've never seen that before. Valerian's like, oh, that happened to me a hundred times. Let me tell you how to fix this. Yeah. And you know, then now all of a sudden you know it, everyone else knows it. You can pass that knowledge on to someone too. It's all a revolving door and we all have information and we all have something that we can pass along to someone else. It's never about just keeping this to ourselves because if we did, how would we have a community? Yeah. And have take as many of these courses as you can take. They've really helped us out a lot. A They've lot. Us to a lot. Seriously. And They're great. The best person here to teach you and show you exactly what to do. Even the future. A thousand percent. Like, we've had our baristas come here and do trainings all the time. You know, they would do like a training here and then do one in the cafe or whatever to use our equipment. But pre-COVID. Um, but you know now you have all these classes and these courses online. You can have your baristas, or you can have refresher courses, or different master levels and whatnot. So, boot coffee is where it's at. So I agree. That was perfect. You're coming again. You're coming back again. <laughs> I love it. <laughs>